أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله all praises to Allah Ta'ala in every condition, in every state. All praises to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala whose love we keep and we cherish inside of our hearts and whose love is a heavy burden that every person who says La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah speech on the tongue and sincerity inside the heart carries with them whose love is described in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as inna aradna amanata ala samawati wal ardi wal jibali faabayna an yahmilnaha wa ashfaqna minha that we offered this amana. We offered this trust to the heavens and to the earth and to the mountains. And they refused to carry it. And they were afraid of it. But insan, a human being, carried it. If he does not discharge this trust, he is indeed a great transgressor and a complete ignoramus. Amongst the tafasir of this ayah, with regards to the amana, is taklif, meaning moral responsibility, being responsible for your actions, for your deeds. It is through moral responsibility that a person earns the ability to climb in rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whereas the angels are where they are, the animals are where they are, the sky is where it is, and the rocks are where they are. But also there's a double jeopardy that a person with it now suffers the danger of being able to fall in rank. The word taklif is related to the word kulfa. which has with it the connotations of the difficulty someone has when talking about love. This is the spiritual path. This is the spiritual path. This is the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which was chalked out and described by Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa the fruition of which was described as foes and as triumph on the Day of Judgment. The day that a person is not benefited gainfully from anything, not from wealth nor from progeny, except for the one who comes to Allah with a heart free of blemish. It is what Allah describes in His book when He talks about the trials and tribulations of the people of faith. It is what the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam describes when he says in his hadith that those who are most severe in their trial and their tribulation 
are the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam, then those who are most like them, then those who are most like them. That is what the Mashaykh of the Tariqah talked about in their Ash'ar and in their poetry, describing in their own words, with their own imagery, with their own aesthetics, with their own metaphor. Allah ya ayyuha saqi adirka san wa nawilha ki ishqasan awal namud wale uftad mushkilha. The opening line of the Diwan of Hafiz. Making the imagery of a person who is broken hearted goes to the tavern keeper and says to the tavern keeper, the bartender, get down a cup and fill it with wine and send it to me. Because in the beginning I thought that love would be easy. And that's when all of my troubles started. It is what Mulana Rumi ta'ala talks about in the opening lines of the Masnavi Sharif. This is the same tale. This is the same agony. This is the same sob story that I cry about in every gathering I go to. Whether a person is a pious person or a profligate, it doesn't matter. I'll say the same tale. I'll cry the same tale to every single one of them. Brothers and sisters, this is the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person cannot hold on to this pain, and cannot hold on to this agony for the couple of days that they're alive, for the sake of Allah Ta'ala as a proof of their love of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, then what face do they have to show in front of Allah on the Day of Judgment? What right do they have to ask Allah Ta'ala for His forgiveness or for His Jannah? Don't think this is irrelevant to what's going on right now. In fact, it's quite relevant. Because this is an abstract idea, the love of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But like all abstract things, that the Lord commanded us to do. They take concrete forms when they come to this earth. It is that love of Allah Ta'ala that wakes you up for Fajr. And if it doesn't, you have a problem. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described in a Sahih Hadith the punishment of the person who doesn't wake up, who sleeps through the time of the prayer, as somebody who's held down and whose head is dashed and smashed with a large rock. Then it comes back together and is healed again and it's dashed and it's smashed again. It's the same love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that takes us to the house of Allah ta'ala, that makes us fast in the month of Ramadan. It's the same love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that makes us and compels us to say the truth even though it's not in our personal benefit. It's this love of Allah Ta'ala for whose sake we love one another and for whose sake we hate the ones that are worthy of hatred. And if it's not, if it has no proof, it stays in the realm of the abstract and it doesn't come into a concrete form into your life, into my life, then it exists. The only thing that you can question is not whether it exists or not. It exists. It's just not existing inside of you yet. You have to want it. You have to want it. Because you want it, doesn't mean that it happens. But you have to want it. Allah Ta'ala gives it to you if you want it. If you don't want it, 100% guaranteed you're not going to get it. It's tedious, it's difficult, it's not easy to carry. So yet again, I appear in front of everybody on another Friday. You missed me last Friday. At least factually speaking, if not emotionally. But I was giving khutbah about the exact same thing that I'm going to give khutbah about right now. 
the death toll of your brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters in Gaza. With the exception of perhaps numbers you can count on your fingers. All innocent. More than half of them are children. Has now exceeded 9,000 to the point where I wonder if it's not 10,000. As of the last week, two weeks ago we were talking about the public disinformation propaganda which made us waste our time discussing that the Israelis said they were going to bomb a hospital again and again and then they bombed it and then they celebrated bombing it and then when they realized politically it's inopportune they said well we didn't bomb it these guys bombed their own place you remember that? then it turned out what? that they bombed it even the New York Times which is a Hasbara talking points mouthpiece had to admit that they can no longer factually discount the possibility that the Israelis bombed it, and that it seems from the trajectory of the missiles that, or for the whatever the devices that hit it, that they started from Israeli territory. But we can't confirm one way or the other. Which means what? They bombed it. Now they're not even wasting their time denying it. They're bombing. Hospitals, they're bombing neighborhoods, they're bombing UN sites, they're bombing churches. All of these things that they were denied. Now they're not even bothering to deny it anymore. They're doing it openly. So our death toll is above 9,000 confirmed. The president of this country, with no shame whatsoever, said, I cannot validate the death counts because they come from a militant group that we don't trust even though internally in all the documents and all the memos that are circulated amongst cabinet members, what is the death toll that they, they, they update one another so that they can know before they open their mouth in front of the press, in front of the media, in front of the diplomatic corps of other countries? It's those exact same numbers. It's happening. But brothers and sisters, I tell you also at the same time, don't think that the needle hasn't moved anywhere with regards to this issue. Just yesterday, the House of Representatives passed a $14 billion aid package in order to send to Israel for its continued genocide, for its continued rabid fantasy of an apartheid ethnostate. But don't lose hope. Already, the president has threatened to veto the bill. The Senate has also said they're not going to let it pass. Not, not because of any noble sentiment or acknowledgement of any of the war crimes that are happening. But for other procedural issues, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help is going to come. It's mired down. It's not going to go anywhere. Within the process, a number of very interesting and telling things have emerged, including some of the most acrid anti-Muslim, ostensibly anti-Muslim representatives actually voting against the bill, and an acknowledgement that what? That we don't move lockstep, we don't move lockstep in coordination with foreign countries at the expense of our own, which is what I mentioned from before. You don't need to oversell your, your claim. Look, they look at us, many people in this country look at us, they're the product of the brainwashing lies they've been told over the years. They don't see something they like. That's up to them. I can't do anything about it. It's not really my fight. I don't need to convince them that they have to love me. What do I have to convince them? That this is not worth not being able to pay for your medicine when you get sick, or not being able to pay for your mortgage when you want to buy a house, or not being able to pay for your children going to university. That's all I have to convince them about. (coughs) 
And that's exactly what's happening, and it was completely unconceivable. Completely unconceivable, not that long ago. In another breakthrough, the first senator that has publicly called for a ceasefire, out of a hundred senators, every single one of them, Shaitan had that tongue-tied. Who's the first senator that, that publicly called for a ceasefire? Senator Dick Durbin of this, of this state, of this state of Illinois. Now, if you feel disempowered and you think people like myself are nagging you about the same issue again and again, week in and week out, what can I do about it? This is what you can do about it. This is exactly what you can do about it. Because anyone who follows politics in this country, I have no horse in the race. You can vote for whoever you want or not vote at all. I can, you know, I have my opinion. You have your opinion. I may disagree with yours. You may disagree with mine. It's not necessarily part of your Islam one way or the other as far as I can tell. Except for you should know what is halal and what is haram and that you should try to make the world a better place according to that rubric. And genociding small children and innocent people definitely, definitely 100% is haram and you're not allowed to support it under any circumstance within the religion of Islam. It so seems very interesting that the president and the vice president who come from an America in which Always, always, whenever a president has low approval ratings, they all of a sudden somehow, you know, mysteriously come to the conclusion that we need to be involved in some kind of war. And then magically their approval ratings jump up. Those of you who are older than, I would say, 15 years should know that this is true, it's the case. Magically, this time it's not happening though, is it? In fact, our president who's been warmongering nonstop to the point where the Secretary of State of our country is actually now part of the Israeli War Cabinet. He literally is part, participates in the War Cabinet meetings, which is a complete disgrace to our republic. And it's a blight on our flag. That that president, now he has to walk it back because he realizes what? Not only are the Muslims upset at you, nobody cares what the Muslims think. Other people are upset because it turns out Muslims talk to other people as well, amongst a number of other problems. It turns out that below the age of 80, a really large number of Americans are not in favor of killing small children overseas. It turns out that's, that's the case, according to polling. And it turns out, interestingly enough, what are all the swing states in this country? Pennsylvania. Michigan. Ohio. Florida. All states that have huge Muslim populations who are not interested in voting for a genocide candidate again, whether they be Democratic or Republican. So don't think and say that this has no bearing. And guess what? All of the biggest news aggregators and distributors on Facebook that say anything with regards to Palestine that has anything remotely to do with the truth, they're getting shut down. Instagram, they're getting shut down. The government is putting pressure on TikTok. Shut them down. They're trying to put pressure. EU is trying to put pressure on uh, 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 X, Twitter, get, to get it to shut down. And they've shadow banned everybody in all of these platforms. And still the word is getting out and nobody can stop it. Which means what? There is some sort of, there is some sort of effect and you need to keep that going on. And don't worry about getting 1,000 likes, 500 likes. Do you understand how it is that we've gotten to this point? Where people, people, celebrities, politicians, industry people, they can go out and boldface. Today, literally, the, you know, like, the, you know, in these last three days, the, the, the Jibalia refugee camp is bombed. All 
innocent people. They're all internal refugees within Gaza, which is all refugees anyway. Children getting pulled from the wreckage, they're not even lying that we didn't do it anymore. They don't care because they think the world doesn't care. You know how it is that they get everybody to stick up for that? It's politics, and it's very expensive. It costs a lot of money. In the last week, how many influencers have I seen? They're the ones who admit it publicly. That say, I was told all expense paid, first class tickets, five star trip to Israel. I was told you will get this many extra followers on your social media account. A social media influencer, that's their bread and butter. That's what they make money for. That's what they make money from. I'll make your business. I'll make you a star. They were told, I will fund your campaign. Usually politicians don't say these things openly. They're starting to say them now. All you have to do, show up on this trip every day, tweet something, post something, put a, a, a snap up, put an Instagram post up. That's positive about Israel, but our censors have to read it first. That's all it will cost you. We'll open doors, we'll get you jobs, we'll get you to work in this place and that place, we'll get you buyers, we'll get you everything. Now you tell me, you tell me, if that's the cost, they have to buy so many people, so many people. Americans, you think Americans are going to accept this? Many Americans will not accept it. There are those who have because they have no idea what's going on outside of their back door. They know about as much as what's going on in Palestine as you know about what's going on in the southwestern part of the Congo. You have no idea who lives there, what language they speak. It's not really any of your business to many of us, sadly. It should be maybe, but it's not. When they come to find out, they get upset about these things. They have to spend even more money in order to keep these people's mouths shut or in order to get them to squawk nonsense. And guess how much it costs you to talk to somebody at work? Guess how much it costs you to talk to somebody sitting next to you? I'm not even talking about putting it on your LinkedIn. I'm not talking about putting it on your Facebook. I'm not talking about putting it on your Twitter. I'm not talking about you getting elected to the Senate of the United States of America or talking to whoever is running for Senate. Just regular people that you know to talk to them. Say, look, these are children, they're dying. You can accept that that's bad, can't you? Well, how come you don't condemn Lola? Okay, you condemn whoever you want to. We, don't ever, we never give sanction for killing innocent people. Do you give sanction for killing innocent people? When someone else did it, they did it. This time, you're doing it. This is your money that's doing it. How much does it cost to talk to somebody like that? You know so many people at work, so many people at school. If you think someone's not going to listen, don't talk to them. The person who's going to listen, how, how much does it take to talk to that person? Dick Durbin, you know how he came into the Senate? He was APAC's original, original foster child. APAC came to them. The American Israeli Public Affairs Council came to him and said, we will make you. He literally owes his entire career to them. And he, but you know what? Opportunist. He came in because he was an opportunist like politicians are. And now he's the first one to call for the ceasefire. Why? Because he's an opportunist. You can debate the morality of all of it later. The point right now is to stop the killing of children, isn't it? For this reason, I'm willing to be friends with a lot of very unsavory people. I will not say the wrong things that they do are right because they're not. But I'm willing to partner if there's a strip club across the street. If there was a bar across the street, if there was a drug dealer across the street, 
if there was QRSTUV with a flag with colors you ain't even seen before across the street. But I had to go over there, speak with them 15 minutes nicely. We both signed the same piece of paper in order to get innocent children to die. I will, I will sign the paper. I will still say alcohol is haram. I will still say drugs are haram. I will still say that there are certain lifestyles that the Lord does not approve of. But I will work with them on the one good thing that we do agree upon. Don't let it move out of your head. Don't let it move out of your sight. It's your problem. It's my problem. Did you know? Did you know? For your information. The Sharia of Islam is not an optional thing. Right? You say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. It has certain obligations with it. You are bound to those obligations. If you pray or you don't pray, it doesn't mean that the prayer is not fard. And the obligation of the prayer is such that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, described the Iman as what? The person who dies knowing that Allah Ta'ala praying five times a day to him is an obligation upon that person, that person will enter Jannah. Meaning what? To accept the obligation is what makes you a Muslim. To accept it. Whether you can do it or not, to accept it. So here's an obligation the Sharia puts on us that has no question with it with regards to its validity amongst any of the madhabs of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, amongst any of the people of guidance. Which is what? This ummah, the people of this ummah are obliged. They are obliged when the people of Darul Islam are in peril and in jeopardy and in difficulty. They need aid. They're getting killed. They're getting fought. They're getting dispossessed from their land. From a hostile disbeliever. There is an obligation of those people who are next to them to physically come to their aid. And there is an obligation of the entire ummah to come to their aid. Did you know on the Day of Judgment, everybody is going to be asked about these things? Did you know in history, when the rulers fail to come to the aid of the Muslims that are around them, a classical example that people know, and if they don't know, you should know about it. Al-Izz ibn Abdul Salam, the great Shaykh of Halab. When the ruler of Halab made a pact with the crusaders, that you give me Damascus and I'll open the way for you to Jerusalem. Izz ibn Abdul Salam came into the Friday masjid and he stood and he preached and he says, your bay'ah, your oath of allegiance with this ruler is now null and void. You neither hear nor do you obey after this day. For which the sultan's men came to kill him. When the people of Halab, of Aleppo, threatened to make this a matter of great civil strife, the sultan had to bargain down to exiling him from the city. When the righteous sultan, Sayfuddin Qutuz, gave him refuge, he still didn't accept the refuge except for on the condition that I'm free to say whatever I want to say and I don't double check my fatwas and my rulings with anybody. For this act, he was remembered and immortalized in history as Sultan al-Ulama, that this man has nobody to say anything to him when he walked through the streets of Egypt. That there's one Sultan that rules and there's one Sultan amongst the ulama. Neither of them have authority over the other. The two of them work together and under their rule, under their administration, under their cooperation, was the army sent out to the battle of Ain Jalut, which was the first defeat of the Mongol hordes on the open battlefield since they left Mongolia. After which their fortunes were reversed and they were forced either to enter Islam or to leave. 
Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you this right now, so that on the day of judgment, nobody holds this against me. I'm telling you, this is a amana between me and the Lord. Maybe a lot of people are not going to like it. Maybe not my qawm, maybe not other people's aqwam either. Anyone who tells you not to come to the aid of your brothers and sisters is a shaitan. Any person who uses the screen of some sort of political leadership, some sort of obedience you're owed to political leadership, and rightfully so in, in general cases, should remember the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu There is no obedience to the ruler in the disobedience, uh, to no obedience to the created in the disobedience of the creator. What does it mean for you and me? It may practically mean nothing. The first thing you should accept that this is a part of the deen inside of your heart. Just like praying is, just like zakat is, just like hajj is. Just like fasting the month of Ramadan is. Thereafter, if you cannot do anything other than what I've said, which is talk to people, show your faith, write, you know, for those of us, many of us are citizens, many of us are not in imperiled situations. Write to your political offices, write to your political officers. If you send them an email, it counts. They may not do anything, but they, they count it, they notice it. Every single letter that comes to them, they notice it. If you write the letter by snail mail, it counts even more. If you write it by hand, it counts even more than the letter that you print out. If you go to a rally, it may not be everything, but it's not nothing. If you organize a boycott, it may not be everything, but it's not nothing. If you work alone, it's not everything. It may not be everything, but it's not nothing. But if you work together, I promise you, there'll be more barakah and there'll be more effect in it. This is a thing, we are going to ride it to the end. Whether it's victory or defeat, I promise you, our brothers and sisters in Gaza, if they are victorious, if Allah Ta'ala protects them from the evil designs, that there is design right now openly being talked about for weeks at this point, there's no point even denying it or debating it, that there are designs literally to kill or expel every last one of them. And to flatten the ground. They say at all these protest rallies, many of the people, you know, they're people I don't agree with a whole lot. But I agree with them on this issue. They, they say the slogan, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And what happens, the, uh, the Israeli lobby, ah, they're calling for genocide. No, you are calling for genocide. What is the border of the West Bank? The Jordan River. Where is the sea? It's the Mediterranean that Gaza borders, Right? What is it? Every time they accuse you of something, they're themselves confessing to a, a crime that they've committed themselves. This genocide, if you work against it together, I promise you, if that happens, their rule over there is complete. They literally got away with murder. Do you think they're going to be like, yeah, but in America we don't do that. They're going to like let you guys go. They're going to let us go. If you don't fear Allah Ta'ala, at least fear for your own selves and fear for your own property. On the flip side, don't you think the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that vanquished the crusaders, that vanquished the hordes of the Mongols, that vanquished Fir'aun and Haman and his junud, don't you think that communists, we have people literally, I see our Uzbek brothers in this majma. The communists ruled Bukhara and Samarkand. Can you imagine Bukhara and Samarkand? The places where the Hidayah was written, Sahih Bukhari, Tirmizi, all of these places are written, the books of Hadith, the books of Fiqh are written, and there was not even Jum'ah for so long. Every Muslim child was grown up educated, telling you're a descendant of a monkey and there is no God and religion is the opiate of the masses. 
Guess where they are right now? They're in the masjid. Because who won? Brothers and sisters, Allah Ta'ala is on your side. Don't feel ashamed or afraid. Be smart about what you do. But don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. And don't let it tire you out. Because this love that we carry for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, you have to have it even if Palestine is free. You have to carry the pain of this love inside of your heart until the day that you die. If you do not, you don't have a proof on the day of judgment to put in front of the Lord, in front of the Rabb Tabarak wa Ta'ala that I loved you, I'm, I, I, I worship no one except for you, that I'm eligible for this Jannah that you gave as a promise from your father to your Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam, to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and to our forefathers. So push that thought aside. Keep saying your prayers. Keep doing what you're doing. If you don't know what to do, ask somebody who knows what to do. If you're not able to do a lot, do a little. But keep pushing. The tide is turning. It will take effort. There's also a great mercy in it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Because if one righteous person in this crowd made dua and everything was fixed, then what is the rest of us? What's our excuse for going to Jannah? I used to table, raise funds for orphans with a relief organization. Someone says, brother, you need, uh, Saudi Arabia has enough money to pay for all of them. Why are you ask me for money? I said, because what? If Saudi pays for all of it or whatever, whoever, then why are you going to Jannah? Why am I going to Jannah? This is also a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of us are forced. Our hands are forced to participate in this thing, which is good for us, which is our own najat, which is our own salvation. Don't fight it. Accept it. Own it. Say, Ya Allah, this is for your love that I do this. Not just for Palestine, for the entire Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. For the entire Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. People I don't know and I didn't care about, I wouldn't know anything about them except for if it wasn't for your love. Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.